yo. Welcome, welcome to another episode with Ignite the Spark Within Podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Hernandez, and I am here to empower world-class leaders like yourself to create a life on your own terms. On these podcasts, we will be exploring the mysteries of self-mastery, shamanism, mysticism, conscious sexuality, and overcoming depression and anxiety. We'll be interviewing some of my very own tribe members from around the world and share some of our personal stories. We'll be discovering and implementing tools and strategies for living a more fulfilled life. So, join me on this journey of self-discovery and let's ignite that spark within together. A little bit about your host. I am a U.S. Navy veteran, served in the USS Ronald Reagan, was shaman apprentice, an international self-mastery coach, author, and conscious sexuality facilitator. Now, my mission is to support and empower world-class leaders like yourself, reminding you of the impact that you're meant to make in this lifetime. So if you want to learn more, if you bout that life, stay tuned for today's episode. Season one. Episode 18, Embracing Emotional Intelligence, Communication, and Growth. All right, welcome to this week's episode of Ignite the Spark Within with your host, me, myself, and I. So let's talk about what's happened since we last spoke. So last week on our episode, we had the opportunity to have Mr. Andy Diaz on the podcast. And well, we mentioned that we're going to have a men's circle on Monday. Well, guess what happened on Monday? We got to do it. And I'll tell you what, it was powerful in hindsight, right? Like once you're in the midst of it, it's, it's overwhelming. It's all different types of emotion. But once you are done with it, have a couple of days to kind of process what was said, what was shared. It's freaking powerful. Now, again, it was a small, it was intimate group. And to be honest, I was a bit surprised that I didn't see certain men that I thought would be there. And I was surprised to see other men that I did not expect to see there. So it was really interesting to see the people that showed up. And more importantly, to engage in the conversation that we did, it was perfect. It was just right. It was what needed to be. So now one of the things that we started off with was creating a men's circle agreement. Yeah. Now, The three agreements that are the foundation of the conversation in the men's circles are confidentiality, respect and no judgment, and authenticity. Now, these agreements is what helps us create the safe space for men to open up and to share their emotions without fear of being judged or of being shamed, right? The confidentiality aspect, well, that's what ensures that what is shared in the circle, well, it stays within the circle. And the respect and no judgment, well, that's as men, we are encouraged to listen to each other without criticizing, without belittling each other's experiences, but simply just acknowledging. And then lastly, the authenticity means that men are encouraged to be themselves and to share their true feelings, the thoughts and experiences, to take that mask off of pretending to be something and just be real. Right. And together, these agreements create that supportive and empowering environment for men to be able to connect with each other and process emotions. Now, as men, how can I see you man to man and respect you and earn my respect? Yeah. How can I as a man see you and not judge or condemn you, but rather see you and be present with you? That's one of the agreements to be able to come to the space with the intent to really be there for others. 
and be in the presence of being held by others. And when I mean held, I'm talking about the sense of holding space, yes? Somebody being able to hold that space or hold that container for you to say what you need to say, to express what needs to be expressed, and for there to be no judgment or condemning, just the container for it to be released. Now, consider that that's extremely important to have that level of container because truth be told, there are a lot of emotions that we don't know how to process and doing the work is how we start to heal. Yes. So I talked about this in another recent podcast, and there's a lot of emotions that as men, we haven't been taught how to process, right? And so I remember the first time I got to experience seeing a man process anger, and it was in a program called the Mankind Project. And in this, in this retreat, uh, which, yeah, it was a retreat, um, for two or three days, um, being there, one of the assignments, one of the exercises was to see this man, yeah, uh, and his capacity as men, right, or as this man to be able to process his emotion and then be the example for the men, right? For instance, one that really stood out to me was the, was the process of anger, right? And anger can be such a strong and powerful emotion that it can cause so much damage. Anger can cause hurt, can cause wars, can cause just, it can just cause so much pain, right? And that's the outcome of getting to the red zone. So to see this man share a story of something that had happened to him and in the midst of recollecting and represencing himself to that moment, he allowed himself to connect to that emotion and he got angry. And it was intense to see his intensity. And in the midst of that, I was except I was expecting him to go apeshit. Like I was expecting him to just start throwing punches and throwing chairs and breaking walls. And in that moment, I realized, wow, that's what I was exposed to when I was young. When I was a kid, I got to see that in older men. I got to see their anger become threats of hurting, throwing things, causing damage, causing pain, physical pain, breaking things, breaking walls. I got to experience that. And to me, that was how people process anger. And I knew that I never wanted to get to that. I never wanted to cross that line to reach that point. I remember one time in a relationship, I got, I remember getting so mad that I grabbed the first thing I saw and I just slammed it against the couch. And in that split moment, I remember images of my father doing the same exact thing. That image crossed my mind and I fucking cracked. <laughs> I remember I fell to my knees and I began to apologize to my girlfriend and just being able to recognize that that side of my father in me was there and I didn't want any part of it. And yet, I'll tell you what, there's been many times where I've been so close to get to that red zone. And I'll tell you, like any other man, red is danger. When you enter into a tunnel vision and you only have one thing in mind, that fight or flight, and usually when it's, when it's red, you're ready to fight. But I've had to learn to process. And this is where my own training and years of dedication, learning from my own shadows, learning from my own darkness, right? That's where that work comes in. What allows me to be okay with other men's shadows and to enter into the dialogue of how do we avoid getting to that red zone? And what I've learned is, well, we need a healthy outlet, 
a safe outlet that allows us to release, to transfer, and to transmute that energy and become grounded again, become centered, remembering to breathe with a deep inhale and a deep exhale, molding our bodies and feeling our bodies become grounded, relaxing into our body, breathing consciously, and in breathing, that's where we learn to calm ourselves again. Now, one of the initial questions that started off the conversation for the men's circle was, what does it mean to be a man? And in the question, it wasn't from a place of, well, this is what it means and this is what it has to be, but rather it was an inquiry. Like, what does it mean to each of one of us? What does it mean to me as a man? Or what does it mean to me to be a man, right? And when we can really answer that dialogue, then can we really identify our own belief systems, our own patients, right? Like, at least for me, that's what became so evident in the men's circle that we just attended. You see, as each one of us shared our perspective of what it means to be a man, it was evident that we were living inside of the context of our beliefs. So if the belief of what it means to be a man has a certain limitation or expectation, well, it becomes evident that we'll be living lives in accordance to those beliefs. For example, one of the men um, who raised, who was raised to believe that men cannot show emotion, well, will most likely have a very difficult time expressing his emotion and will hold back his tears for dear life because that is what he believes, because that's how he was raised and was programmed. And well, what's the impact of that? Well, this can lead to emotional suppression, negative mental health outcomes, hence the importance of these men's circles as an opportunity, once again, to challenge these societal expectations and embrace emotional intelligence and vulnerability as a strength rather than a weakness. There's, there, I don't know if you know this, but there's an actual study that has found that 63% of men feel that there's some type of pressure to be emotionally strong and that they must hide their feelings, right? I don't know if you knew this, but men are actually 3.5 times more likely to die by suicide than women. And the expectations placed on society and what it means to be a man nowadays is what I would say is a huge factor that plays into that number. You see, this is where we have to embrace who we are and what it means to be a man. When we can now start to have the dialogue with other men, we can start to expand on what being a man means and allows ourselves to look at other perspectives. Imagine when all of a sudden a man is given approval amongst other men like, dude, it's okay to feel your emotions. We're here for you. Be who you need to be. Say what you need to say. Process what you need to process. We're here. Something happens. There's healing there. There's a new possibility. There's a new outlet for that man to experience healing. Hence the reason why men's circles are so important. They've actually done research that has shown that having a supportive community of men can actually improve our mental health and can reduce the risk of suicide. You see, in that moment, we become connected and realize that we're not alone in this battle of identifying, of manifesting and becoming the men that we are meant to be. Even when we encounter hardships along the way, we are reminded that it's okay and we're encouraged to keep going. 
You see, the brotherhood cheers for each other's success, motivating us to get back up and keep striving. It's empowering when we know that there are other brothers in arms battling the same fight and that they get up and that they keep fighting. That's the support system. That's the example. That's the brotherhood. From that brotherhood, we can expand on so many things. Now there's a tribe. Now there's opportunities for outings. Now there's an opportunity to be engaging and be inspired. Another thing we got to talk about that I think is very crucial, it's the difference between being inspired and competing, specifically around men. You see, this is one of the things that we kind of went back and forth and is competing good. You see, for me, I'm not going to say it's bad, but I do want to question where the competition is coming from. Where's the desire to compete coming from? Is it coming from a place of, in order for me to win, you need to lose, right? I think that's the game that most people play when it comes to competing. And well, that's not my game. That type of game is not in alignment with my highest self. For me, my highest self knows that there is no one outside of me I need to compete with. The only person there is to compete with is myself. You see, I find inspiration when I look to my brothers, to my left and to my right. However, the greatest challenge is the person I see when I look in the mirror. That person is who I strive to challenge and inspire every day. You see, my challenge is to outperform myself, to become better than myself, to become 1% better every day. Because if I can become better 1% every single day, then it's almost inevitable that I'm going to grow a 365% increase in a year. Now, think about that. All you had to do is grow 1%. But what's driving that growth? You see, when I look in the mirror, I see a reflection of myself. The person reflected back at me is my competition. The one who shows me who I am now and reminds me of where I've come from and where I'm going by continuously asking myself, how do I become a better man? How do I outperform myself? How do I increase my emotions or how do I, how do I evolve my emotions? How do I become more in tune with my emotions? How do I increase my stamina, my muscles, my strength? How do I become smarter? How do I eat better? How do I challenge the man in the mirror to become better and become inspired by those around me that are doing better? You see, when we go into the world of competition, the idea that I have to compete against somebody else well, yes, it can be great in an inspirational concept, but if, again, what's driving me is that man needs to lose in order for me to win, consider that there's a vibration there that's coming from an ego of survival trying to display and prove that you're better than somebody else. I can promise you that you'll probably have healthier results if you keep outperforming yourself instead of stressing over your quote-unquote competition. Now, again, that's not saying don't look at other people's results as examples. By all means, go for it. Look at them as the inspiration of what's possible. If they can do it, so can you. Hence, this is where we start to diminish envy and jealousy out of our hearts for our brothers. You see, I was talking to one of my friends and we were discussing the idea of comparing ourselves. 
And you know how based on your age, you might feel pressure to get married or start a family or achieve other milestones that are incongruent with your age group. Now, if you don't meet those expectations, you may feel like something is wrong or that you're behind schedule. And this outside pressure can become overwhelming. And then more questions and more self-doubt. And when we least expect it, we go down this downward spiral because what? Because we compared ourselves to who? To somebody outside of us. That's who. So again, the question is, how do we change that focus from looking on the outside for self-validation and remember to start looking inside for self-generation, for self-creation, creating from the inside because it's authentic, it's real, it's genuine, it's you versus seeking on the outside, trying to blend in and copy what other people are doing as if that's what's going to bring you success, as if that's what's going to bring you happiness. Remember, happiness comes from within. And as men, when can we begin to be in spaces that promote this level of self-discovery when we start to help men understand that emotional intelligence is being able to become attuned to our emotions where being vulnerable isn't something to be frowned upon or considered weak, but rather powerful to be able to get to that state of vulnerability and not be shaken by it. That you can be grounded and vulnerable, that you can shed a tear if need to, and yet still be fully centered in what you're experiencing because you understand how to process your emotions. Now, let's pivot a bit. And I want to talk about something that I noticed and I believe is important, right? It's important to bring awareness to, specifically when it comes to being intimate with our partners. Now, I don't know if you know this, but part of my services is being able to take women through an experience that connects them with their sensuality and allows for a space for them to interact with the masculine in a way that allows them to feel safe around their sexual energy and to heal whatever stories may be blocking the permission to allow pleasure to be experienced in the body. And in doing that work, well, there's high levels of intimacy. Yes, now, I've talked about this before, that there are different levels of intimacy, right? And in these different levels of intimacy, I believe each person on an individual basis has a threshold of what we're capable of engaging in before becoming emotionally attached based off of the experience we're having in that moment. And of course, there are different layers and different levels to this, right? Due to the different levels of commitment in your relationship and the levels of intimacy that you're capable of experiencing based on your relationship, right? Like, for example, some people listening to this may not have a partner to engage with intimately. And so, therefore, there's a different type of conversation to be had. And, well, I would say it's an important one to be had. And that is being able to comprehend what are my boundaries? What are my limits? What are my standards? What am I willing to tolerate? And what am I not going to? And at what level of connection do I feel comfortable expressing and feeling, serving and receiving that allows me to feel emotionally safe without necessarily having an attachment or a connection or a dependency because of this feel good sensation that's produced with the experience? 
You see, for me, I share very beautiful, intimate spaces with my partners within my parameters. And the more clear I become of what they are, the more of a space and clearing I create for my partner to engage in the same questions, to ask what she wants, what she's willing to tolerate, what she's willing to accept, and what she's willing to explore and what she's not. Now, Granted, sometimes we don't know what our levels of attachment are until we're experiencing them or until it's too late. Yes, we've gone too far and now we're stuck having these butterflies in our stomach for these encounters that were probably just a one night stand or some fling that led us to having an intimate experience. And now there's an emotional attachment based on emotions rather than logic and grounded reasoning. And so the reason I bring all of this up, as I mentioned earlier, is one of the services that I provide are different tantric sessions for women. And as I was hired over the last two weeks to provide one of these sessions and in this session, well, we did the queen massage, which involves touching and, uh, and, and well, yeah, touching various erroneous zones and producing high levels of excitement and pleasure. Now, something to be clear is that before any play is done, there's an agreement beforehand. And this agreement is being very clear on what it is that we're getting ourselves into. Yes. Now, because I have experience with this emotional awareness and the possibility of an emotional attachment, well, and because I've experienced it firsthand, right? I try to be very cautious of it and make it very obvious to the participants of what may happen so she can understand her emotions and the connection to pleasure and better navigate it all. Now, this is where I believe conscious sexuality of bringing awareness to our emotions without shaming or running away from these emotions, right? Not shaming these connections, not shaming these dependencies, but rather creating a space that's healthy to be able to recognize them. And instead of suppressing them or belittling them, we can bring light to them and recognize them. And there, in that moment, we have the space to learn from our emotions, which help us consider different actions to take for future occasions, where I'm willing to go with my intimacy, and at what point does it make sense for me to continue, and at what point does it not? And again, this is part of the self-love. This is honoring our temple. Now, in order to be able to do this work as men, yes, it lies on our capacity to continuously seek to learn how to communicate openly and being very direct, transparent, and with honesty, without manipulation, not promising things that we know we're not going to fulfill or commit to, but rather being very honest with what our intentions are, what we want, and what we don't want. And I've experienced that the more we can do this for ourselves, we can do this for our partners the more space there's going to be for the feeling of safety. And in this case, the more safety you're able to provide as a man, not only the physical safety, but the emotional safety, the spiritual safety in holding sacred space, then the more she'll be able to blossom. So as men, part of being grounded and centered is our capacity to help women blossom, to help our partners blossom, to help the people around us blossom from the healing that gets to happen from our ability to stay grounded. And as men, how do we continuously learn? Yes, because that in itself is a process. How do we as men learn to continuously step into the healthy masculine, the grounded masculine, the divine masculine, and really have our presence be one of servitude, 
where we honor and respect women and we understand that there's a role for us to play. And that role is to bring out the best in women as we're able to bring out the best in ourselves and not just for ourselves, but for our brothers and the example that we get to leave for our children and the legacy that we get to leave for generations to come. You see, that's the beauty of being a man. And sometimes it can be very intimidating to be on that path, to have to step into that role. But what if we knew we weren't alone? What if we were able to help each other in a brotherhood container to know that we can evolve as a unit together as a brotherhood, raising our experience of what it means to be a man in today's day and age, to be a man that is emotionally intelligent, that is supportive that can be calm, that can be collected in the face of adversity and conflict, that the more chaos there is in the world, the more centered and grounded we become, being able to discern what the next action is to take, always seeking safety for others. Did you know that there's a study that found that 93% of women actually prefer men who can communicate about their emotions and feelings openly and honestly? Now, isn't that interesting? Reachers has actually shown that couples who practice active listening and open communication have more satisfying and successful relationships. I'm not surprised. Seems like common sense, yes? Now, how does that happen? Well, consider that men who prioritize their emotional intelligence and vulnerability in their relationships are going to report higher levels of satisfaction and intimacy because, well, we're able as men to be able to share authentically, share and be able to listen, to serve and to receive. Now, what are the practices that we can begin to do? Well, we can, for starters, work on our meditation. We can start going to therapy. We can start journaling. We can start going to other men's circles. We can be engaging with other men that help us step into our greatness, that help us align, that call us out when we're out of line, that can help us process our emotions in a way that maybe our women just can't, to help us improve our ability to communicate effectively. This is how we grow. This is how we continuously evolve as a man, as brothers, and level up what it becomes available for women when we step into our divine masculine and an honorable masculine. Now, let's ground this a bit, yeah? How do we do that? Well, let's talk about performance and bring awareness that we are officially in the last week of the second quarter. So what does that mean? It means we're pretty much at the halfway mark of the year. How did you do last quarter? Did you have clear objectives that you wanted to accomplish? Did you have a timeline? Are you satisfied with the results you obtained in the last 90 days? Have you grown? Do you know how to tell if you've grown? Like, let's compare that to your first quarter. How was your first quarter? How well did you do right off the bat? As soon as the new year started, everyone was caught up in this whole new year's resolution. Did you know that only 8% of people actually achieve their New Year's resolution? How are you doing on your New Year's resolution? Did you create a New Year's resolution? Did you have first quarter goals? Did you achieve them? You see, now get, this isn't me coming from a space of scolding you, but rather bringing up an opportunity to bring awareness, right? And to bring awareness, not from a place of morality, not from a place of you're bad and wrong or there's good and right, but rather from a place of performance where we get to identify what's worked and what hasn't been working. 
What actions did you take that gave you the results you wanted? And what actions did you take that did not give you the results you wanted? More importantly, how are you going to take that information and apply it to this next quarter? How is your third quarter going to be? You see, have you written down your objectives for the next quarter? Have you started to plan what your next quarter is going to be like? Have you started to macro map and identify what days you're going to do what? What plans have you put in place to make sure that the next 90 days are going to be effective, productive, and that there's going to be growth? Now, if you haven't, again, this isn't me scolding you, but rather a reminder and an invitation to consider taking that on. You see, I was talking to one of the participants in the Foundation Tribe, and we were going, we were going over what the next quarter was going to be like for her. Now, this last quarter for her was all about healing. And, well, we had to bring awareness that every stage is very different. In working with various clients for the last couple of years and even recognizing in my own patterns, I've noticed that there are three major stages that we can process, right, and that we can go through. And that is a healing stage, a focused growth stage, and a quantum growth stage. Now, consider that each stage is different and requires different self-discoveries, actions, goals, and ways of being, right? There's a different mindset involved in each stage. And when we're able to identify what stage we're going into, well, we can adapt to that context. But we have to first identify, where are we? Are we in a place where we need to heal? When the focus is to heal, then the focus is to heal, not to be super productive and effective in making things happen. Yes, that can help, but that may not be the full focus. When the focus is to heal, it's time to rest, process, and integrate. Or maybe your focus is on focus growth, where it's about creating the consistency, the actions, the routines that you need to get yourself to the next level. Prepping, getting everything ready, getting everything in line right? It's getting prepared. It's building the foundation, building your growth. It's focused. And then we have quantum growth, where it requires you to shift your mindset and perspective, having to become someone you haven't consciously been yet. And it's going to involve transformational change. But there's a process that is necessary to fully embody each stage you're going into. For instance, if you're not grounded it's going to be hard to remember to keep pushing ourselves to keep going, to keep learning, to keep growing, to keep seeking the answers to get the results that we want. Hence the importance of being surrounded by others who are going after it, others that are hungry, that are leading by example. That's our opportunity to be inspired. So who's going to inspire you to step it up a notch this next quarter? Who's going to inspire you to do the work necessary to heal? Who's going to inspire you to make the transformation? Who are you going to compete with? What version of you do you need to compete with? Now, based on the powerful topics that we've had in this episode, it's clear that there's a deep need for spaces where men can explore their emotions, challenge societal expectations, and truly step into their power. And, well, that's where the foundation program comes in. You see, the foundation program is designed to help men and women, yes, both, dive deeper into the topics we've discussed today. It's about more than just understanding these concepts. It's about integrating them into your life. It's about creating a foundation of self-mastery that allows you to navigate life with more confidence, clarity, and, well, with purpose, right? In the foundation program, we explore topics like emotional intelligence, being vulnerable, and self-competition. 
We challenge our societal expectations and we redefine our belief systems. And more importantly, we do it together in a supportive co-ed community of tribe members who are on the same journey. You see, the program is also emphasizing the importance of self-competition. So therefore, instead of comparing yourself to other tribe members, you'll learn to focus on outperforming yourself, becoming 1% better every day. This approach is what promotes personal growth and helps us avoid the stress and negativity associated with external competition, right? Now, you'll be receiving practical tools and resources to support you on your journey towards that self-mastery, right? You'll receive an aligned blueprint workbook that helps you track your progress and set clear goals. You'll also have access to the Breathing for Vitality course, which it helps us learn how to incorporate breath work into our routine for improved mental and physical health. But now, before you jump into the foundation program, I encourage you to take the self-mastery quiz, right? This is a quiz that I've been talking about. Now, this quiz is such a powerful tool because it helps you understand where you're at on your journey and where you want to go. It's a starting point, a way to get clear on your goals and challenges before diving into any program. And here's the exciting part. The foundation program starts next Monday right? It starts the first Monday of every month. And so next Monday, uh, I believe it's July 3rd, we launch off. So this is your opportunity to take action, to step into your power and to start creating the life you desire. And for those of you who are ready to dive even deeper, well, I have two private slots open. This means that in addition to your curriculum, to our weekly tribe calls, to your tools and resources, and to your support buddy, you and I will also be working privately together to build your weekly game plan and strategy. So are you ready to take the next step on your journey to self-mastery, right? Take the quiz. Take the quiz, register for the foundation program. The link to take the quiz is actually going to be in the description under the links to know section. Okay. Now, remember this, I'm not here to sell you a program. This is an invitation for you to step into your power to challenge expectations, societal expectations, and to create a life that truly aligns with your highest self. Now, before we close out, I want to take a moment to give a special shout out to the incredible incredible men that showed up last Monday, right? So to the men's circle right here in San Diego, I have to tell you, it was a great experience. And to the men who showed up, who sat in that circle, who shared their stories, their fears, their hopes, and their dreams, I see you. I honor you, your courage, your vulnerability, your willingness to show up and be seen. That's inspiring. Your commitment to self-growth, to understanding and expressing your emotions, to challenging societal expectations and embracing your authentic self is commendable. And it's not just the men in our circle and here in San Diego, it's all the men around the world, the men that are attending, hosting, and facilitating these men's circles, men who are stepping up, who are saying yes to self-mastery, yes to emotional intelligence, yes to vulnerability. To all of you, wherever you are, I want to say, keep going, keep showing up, keep doing the work. It's not always easy, but I promise it's always worth it. You are part of a global movement of men who are redefining what it means to be a man. Men who are not afraid to feel, to express, to connect. Men who are committed to growth, to authenticity, to love. So here's to you, the men of all the men's circles around the world. 
Thank you for your courage, your strength, and your commitment to growth. You are seen, you're valued, and you're appreciated. And as we wrap up today's episode, I want to take a moment to express my deepest gratitude to all of you, our listeners. Your support means the world to me and to everyone involved in the production of Ignite the Spark Within. Every time you tune in, every time you share an episode with a friend or a family member, every time you leave a review or send in a question, you're not just supporting this podcast. You're supporting a community of individuals dedicated to self-mastery and personal growth. Your engagement and feedback is what helps us create the content that resonates with you, that inspires you, and that supports you on your journey. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. As we continue to explore these topics of self-mastery, of emotional intelligence and personal growth, I encourage you to keep listening, keep sharing, and keep engaging. If an episode resonates with you, share it with someone you think might benefit from it. If you have a question or a topic you'd like us to cover, don't hesitate, reach out. This podcast is a community and each and every one of you is a vital part of that community. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your support and thank you for being part of this journey. Remember, the spark within you is powerful. Keep fanning that flame, keep seeking, keep growing, and as always, keep igniting that spark within. Boom.